Hello and welcome to Repertory Screenings episode 65. I'm your host and with me is my regular host Jackson. Hello! And my other co-host Destiny. Hello! And we're here to talk about some fucking movies. Who's seen a fucking movie? Jackson, have you seen any movies? Yeah, I've seen some movies. Oh, what'd you seen? Let me go take a look at the movie document to find out exactly okay. what I've seen. You mean Letterboxd? Um, nope, but yes. Oh, you have a different one? <laughs> I have an automatic one that just tracks my Plex library plays. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, since Lady from Shanghai, I've watched quite a few movies. We're going to do all of them. Uh, we'll hit a couple. Uh, I watched First Blood, the first Rambo oh, film. Oh, right! Rambo! Uh, which I thought was all right. <laughs> um, starts off really It's just well. got an energy that is weird and surprising. It's not weird and surprising because I've heard everyone talk about how Rambo's like, that's like a real, real fucking movie, man. My whole I mean, life. It's not a real fucking movie, <laughs> but compared to like the other movies in the series, it's a real fucking Yeah, no, I, and I absolutely believe Rocky. that. But it's Don't not get me like, wrong. It's yes. no fucking Rocky. It's not like Rocky where that's a fucking movie. There's like, yeah. there's, there's bits of Rambo that are really good. I think the, the first 50 minutes of uh, First Blood are incredible, um, where the cops being like nice to him to kick him out mm-hmm. uh, and all that stuff and the, like the quiet sentences is good. Uh, but eventually, uh, it does just become an action movie. And I think it's like totally passable as one of those. It's not like bad or empty, right? I just was um, mm. uh, not expecting more, but um, just wasn't like, you know, totally passable one of those um, that I'm sure they become like extremely fascist as they go on. Because like, it's not like this one has good politics. I see how Rambo happens from here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, it's really interesting. It's like fascinating politics because it's like, you know, um the cops the small town cops are bad but only because they don't understand the suffering that the the real soldiers went through at the hands of the just inhumanly evil vietnamese <laughs> um, yes and so there's layers of stuff there uh but i mostly had a good time it was fine uh then i watched a few old movies um, I watched three. I watched The Public Enemy, Shanghai Express, and it happened one night. The Public Enemy's fine. Don't really have much to say about that. Shanghai Express, however, that's the fucking cinema. Uh, that's a movie with Marlene Dietrich on um, on a train, the Shanghai Express, going into Shanghai. Uh, she is Shanghai Lily, this, like, um, famous, you know, not necessarily sex worker, but, you know, woman who flits from man to man, rich man taking their money, um, and everyone sees her as like, she's beautiful, but she'll take all your stuff, man. Uh, but she's actually, like, nursing um, the rejection of the stuffy British soldier, colonial soldier on the train uh, five years ago, and they're having tension with each other the whole movie, and it's so good. Uh, and, yeah, that's just that's just classic movies. Um then I saw it happen one night, which I don't didn't like at all. That's not a good movie, uh, but it is the most timeless movie I've ever seen. Everything bad about it is the thing that is bad about modern movies. Is <laughs> I guess what I, like it just could be, uh, you know, the, the thing that it did have carried forward, and it feels very modern, but in ways that I think uh, generally drag it down. Um, I don't think it's like awful, uh, but I did not like Clark Gable in it. He like the movie thinks he's like a, um, you know, charming rogue. Uh, he's actually just evil, <laughs> uh, and so that one sucked. Uh, very disappointing film there. Um, and the last movie I watched was just Hannibal, the two thousand and one movie. Yeah, um, which 
is okay. It's not like capital G. You know, Manhunter. That's a that's a that's a cinema. That's goddamn cinema. Manhunter is maybe the best crime movie ever made. Yeah, it's just one of them. Yeah, straight up. Uh, Hannibal's not that. Um, and it's not even like Silence of the Lands where like uh, it's really coherent. And no, no, it's, it, I would describe Hannibal's many things coherent with not even being the- remotely on the list. But. In the, like, seven different movies that make up Hannibal, I do like three of them more than Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Uh, Number one is uh, Italian uh, Cop Investigation Time. Italian Cop Investigation Time! It's so good! Oh, that bit rules. Um, Very depressing when that segment of the movie ends and we have to go back to America. Ridley uh, Scott is just simply one of history's greatest filmmakers. Even when he's making a bad movie, it's incredibly watchable. It's um, so watchable. Uh, also, another thing I really like about it, and this is, I guess, just true about um, Hannibal and uh, Anthony Hopkins playing him. I love whenever Hannibal just wears some normal clothes. Like the, <laughs> the, the backstretch of that movie is just him walking around in jeans and a hat. Just yes, looking like it's, it's so funny because the, the show, when you get to it, goes, when it goes the other way and he never wears anything normal. Um, I mean, it, but Anthony Hopkins loves to just take his fancy lad and put him in a sweatshirt. And it's fucking weird. Because <laughs> the first half of the movie, when he's in Italy, he's like, you know, on the roll of his this his different kind of fancy lad disguise. He's this Italian. He has a beautiful suit and a white hat and he looks incredible. Yes. Yeah. But when he comes back to America, he's just like walking around in jeans. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a baseball cap on. I love it. <laughs> um, but those are the highlights of Hannibal. Uh, glad I watched it. Um, I guess I can. I'm not going to watch the show until I'm done with all like a bunch of other projects. So I, I can, might watch uh, Red Dragon in the meantime. I'm not really that interested. In I'm Hannibal really Rising. excited for you to report back on how fucking terrible Red Dragon is. Um, I, I saw the trailer. You sent me the trailer for Hannibal Rising, which is the prequel one where he's in fucking uh, X Men First Class Nazi hunting. Uh, yeah, I've not seen that movie. Not necessarily the origin I expected for Hannibal. <laughs> Um, but that one. I mean, does... he is going up against McNulty, yeah, so it yes. might be worth a watch. It does feature McNulty and the like, you know, detective who doesn't really inspector know. role yes. who dies halfway in. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the greatest role in cinema in any movie is that guy. Uh, but yeah, those uh, those are the movies I watched. Um, and most had a good time at the cinema that is my TV. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I only watched a single movie, so I'm going to go next. I watched Johnny Guitar, which Destiny also watched, but I think she might have one more movie to talk about, um, which is the Nicholas Ray film uh, starring Joan Crawford as a saloon owner uh, who's getting kind of run out of town by this other woman who wants what she has, which is to be a free woman in old West America, who's like owns a business and doesn't take guff from no man. Um, and has roused the town to try to do that on uh, dubious uh, circumstances. And she gets her old boyfriend, who's a famous retired gunslinger named Johnny Guitar, to come in and try to help her out. And it just turns into like a whole disaster as multiple people get shot in the head. Um, it's weird because like Destiny has always want- said, I want to see this. And I was leaving Criterion. Um, so I was like, oh, we'll watch it before it leaves. Before it leaves. Um, so we did. Um, and uh, I always heard this as like a very like almost like a like postmodern deconstructed western but it's not it's just a 50s ass western the only difference is that it's about two women um and people actually get shot in the head which i thought was shocking to me um because it's weird to just see someone get a bullet right in the forehead and then fall over dead that's just not my conception of what these movies are um 
but most of the westerns I've seen, I've, like I've seen High Noon, and I've seen like Three Ten to Yuma, but almost everything else is like the the Italians, right? Like I just don't have a huge experience with um like Hollywood westerns, um, and so like this is a movie that I thought was like really slow and like uh, you know there's like really good performances in it, uh, for sure. Uh, there's a great like 20 minutes with Joan Crawford and Sterling Hayden who plays Johnny Guitar just talk about their dead relationship in the middle of the night. It's fucking incredible. Um, but it's one of those movies that like sits better in the brain than like to watch. I was like mostly bored and then like two hours later, I'm like, that was really good. Um, which is better than the other way that movies can go. Um, I'll take this every time. Uh, oh, so absolutely. My experience with Johnny Guitar. <laughs> yeah, I was always told uh told that this was a um sort of a weird yeah breakdown of norms and da 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 but no it's just it's a movie ass movie it just happens to be about women in a way that i guess 50s movies weren't uh mm-hmm. but i overall enjoyed it i just expected more mm-hmm. i expected a little more weirdness a little more it, it's one of those movies that's really held up by like the french new wave people uh yes. as this like dreamlike amazing thing uh but it's it's Nicholas Ray who directed Rebel Without a Cause. It's got fabulous true color color. True um, color, which I had not seen before. It's really vibrant. It, it fucking pops. Yeah, it's like an eye. Like, she wears red and it, like, hurts my eyes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, good looking movie. I'm glad we watched it. But it, it uh, definitely uh, wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I fell asleep watching, uh, so this doesn't count, but I watched (laughs) half of the Marx Brothers movie, The Coconuts, which is about them, like, uh, Groucho owns this, like, shitty hotel in Florida, and then there's, like, a murder, or not a murder plot, but a robbery plot that uh, Harpo and Chico over here and Foyle and blah, 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 blah. But I realized in the middle of watching it that to be a movie fan in the 30s meant you had to like tolerate so many musical sequences in they're your good. Musical in your sequences movie. Are good. No, they're great. But if you don't like musicals, I don't know how you saw any movie in the thirties. I just believe no one in the thirties hated musicals. I think this is a modern construction. It's probably true, but there's got to be somebody in the thirties that hated musicals. It was just funny because yeah, it had like. like what a- are you gonna do? Listen to your wax cylinders? Like you listen to some music on the movies. It's great. <laughs> no, I had no problem with like all the dance sequences and the movie having songs. It was just funny. Culture is just so different now, and it, it just really hammered home the differences watching something mm-hmm. so ancient. Yeah. Um, you started grad school. That's why our movie watching has gone way down. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to watch more movies, but I in grad school. Grad school. Yeah, you're in grad busy. school, and I mostly watch movies with you, just by inertia a lot of the time. So, um movie counts gonna go way down probably because <laughs> i'm like oh, i could like w- work on these anime things i have to do for my job or i could watch a movie of destiny but if you're not watching a movie then i just work on my shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i because i am in grad school i was writing a paper before i put on this coconuts movie and then just fell asleep promptly 30 minutes in that's that's the grad school life <laughs> i tried to watch a horror movie and got like 15 i don't even remember what it was and i got 15 minutes and i was like i'm bored i'm gonna watch anime instead <laughs> last weekend or something oh i just want to say if you have the arrow streaming channel they have three collections of vinegar syndrome movies and the first collection has the movie spookies in it and you should watch spookies if you like bad horror movies i've not seen spookies have i, I don't think so 
it's a good time. It was on Shutter forever, but now it is on Arrow. Yeah. Um, Arrow, pretty good service. Gotta mm-hmm. say, big fan. Um. Okay, I guess that's it. We can get into our movie this time. Uh, this week we're watching Safe. The Todd Haynes written and directed film from 1995, starring Julianne Moore, Peter Friedman, some other people, but they're the big ones. Jackson, what's this movie about? This movie is about Carol White, who uh, in 1997 uh, lives in Los Angeles, uh, living a terrifying life of being in the 80s uh, and hanging out with people and doing very 80s stuff, like being in an empty, uh, you know, rich house, having an awful husband and going to aerobics classes uh, and eventually starts getting sick um, just from the city uh from the fumes of the um like cars and then uh when the uh when like shops have been fumigated she gets sick um and she keeps going to doctors and they go nothing seems wrong with you you don't have any like real uh conditions what's happening here and uh everyone ignores her belittles her as she tries to figure out what this illness is uh and over time eventually gravitates towards this advertisement she finds uh of like people that seem to recognize what this disease actually is uh and uh she finds this like retreat that says it exists to um help uh people with this condition uh and she goes there and it's basically a cult uh led by this really creepy guy who um just who first of all lives in a fucking mansion uh overlooking everyone and gives uh awful disgusting monologues about how sickness is caused by the negative vibes um and the people there uh either have to accept this as like their new um you know as their new belief system or find themselves even more isolated now uh that they live in this other place um and carol kind of flits between trying to fit in trying to find like a way to build something here and uh feeling even more isolated and that's kind of where the movie ends. it doesn't like go further than that she ends up living uh in like this little igloo uh completely alone saying i love you to herself in the mirror it's very depressing uh but that's the whole movie that was a easy plot summary yeah you got it M, did you mute yourself? I can't hear you. Yeah, I totally muted myself. Oops. Were you were you talking? <laughs> were you talking? <laughs> yes, I was literally just going on doing my job here. Um, <laughs> Destiny probably heard me from the other. <laughs> yes, I did. I certainly did. <laughs> we're leaving all this in. That's my mistake. Anyway, um, uh, it's impossible to talk about this movie without talking about Red Desert, which we also watched. Yes. Um, which is a movie about like the malaise of uh, upper middle class life and the alienation you find in it. Um, however, safe is like, because it's from the nineties the and reflects on the eighties about the burgeoning idea of like self-help and, <laughs> and alternative medicine and uh, like a more modernistic version of like scientific idea, like you know, scientific and heavy scare quotes, ideas about what alienation is caused by, uh toxins and chemicals uh and uh it's so much more bleak to me than like the existential quandaries of red desert because uh someone like carol is not given the space to even understand that there's such a thing as an existential quandary much less explore it herself 
Uh, yeah, this movie is poor. I was, for some reason, I was expecting not to like it. I don't know why. I didn't know anything about it. I was like, oh. I was expecting you not to like it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I'm like, Jack's going to hate this one. I think it's fantastic. This is, this is an okay, incredible good. movie. Um, very affecting. Uh, I, I, I don't know why you're expecting me not to like it now. because I like, don't know. Sometimes your taste is hard for me to pin down. That's fair. Um, but this is just a movie about how, like, uh, any affliction um that you may have emotional or physical uh the world wants to view this as like an individual problem right mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then create structures that feel like escape from that to further like monetize you and bleed you dry and sell you the exact same idea that it's all your fault yes uh, and the ways in which it goes through those cycles is just like fucking oh it's it's really good the guy um peter dunning is that the guy that guy yeah. he's yeah. I hate him so much. So I, I love, that character is so interesting because he's like, because the Wikipedia is like, some people say this is about AIDS. And I'm like, no, no. The, they, the movie says like that guy's got AIDS. He's like a gay man with AIDS who decided to make a weird fucking like wellness crystal woo cult out of it. Um, which like about this uh, environmental illness. Like it's so clearly not about that stuff um, because it's, it's it, that character exists in there to like tell you, no, it's not about that. Don't read it that way. It's, He's he needs to get Lady Vengeance. He's so evil, <laughs> <laughs> and none of none of the like people. I mean, Carol's like feeling isolated, but like no one's angry at him because he's so domineering in this like environment, yes. and they're all so alone already. No, yeah. anyone anyone who kind of sees that he's like like Carol, it seems like she has difficulty grasping it, but she turns that on herself. Like, oh, I must be the problem. I don't understand yes. what these people are talking about. But because the, that's the kind that's what the, that's what this environment does to her. Like, yeah, you know. The gut-wrenching scene when she first comes in and, like, has a pleasant interaction, and then this guy stands up on the stage, and she, the, like, moment where you can see her is like, oh, I'm in a cult now. <laughs> and she, like, <laughs> yes. she, she, like, watches the thing, and then they come in and, like, sing this song about embracing love, and she's just, like, sinking. Uh, and then there's a scene after that where she goes away and cries and then gets the typical, like, you know... um scene where someone else who is uh embracing this is like we all it's it's all hard adjusting like pretending that her emotional trauma is from something different when the 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 like feeling togetherness in this place is the healing um mm-hmm. and the, the, she doesn't have the ability um she's not like a very self-aware character right she does not speak out loud oh i'm in a cult being manipulated she just feels very terrified and latches onto it because there's nothing there's no other option for her yeah. Uh, and it's just heartbreaking sad. Um, it's interesting because, like, the, the movie, like, purports to be about, like, what happens when you have a mysterious illness, but it's also about just, like, the way in which intolerable living situations generate, like, actual physical destruction in people, right? Like, mm-hmm. I... The movie goes out of its way to be like she's explored everything she takes all these tests uh it says she's allergic to milk but that's impossible because all she's been doing is drinking milk fine for months years her entire she's this person has milk every day and suddenly she's allergic to milk like the answer is she lives in a terrible life that she hates (laughs) and it's manifested in like physical illness that is killing her and she just can't see it because this is she's living the good life by every definition she can't even entertain the narrative the worst thing Uh, that's ever happened to her is she gets the wrong couch color yes (laughs) Uh, that scene's really good because she's like having a crisis about it, and then her, uh, you know, maid's looking at her like, "Jesus Christ, you're getting mad yes. about her couch color." Um, <laughs> well, it's because she's like, she's like, 
barely functioning, like seemingly forgetting stuff in her life. She's like drifting like a ghost through her own house. As like in the kitchen, the like cabinet men are like painting the cabinets and uh, her like housekeepers instructing someone else she knows how to polish the silver. Everyone's just kind of living a normal life. Like these are just their jobs. There's going, but she she's just like having this morning where she is like at the end of her rope because life is hard. Um, and it is because there's nothing to hold on to. Like, it's not real. Like, that's the problem. It just, no one is able to identify the fact that being rich in the suburbs in the eighties is basically hell. Yeah, Every little... movie I've seen about the eighties <laughs> makes it seem like the, just like spiritual death. <laughs> um, and this is true. Like, I include in this like network, which is not a movie before the eighties, but it is still about the eighties being spiritual death. This is a movie after mm. the eighties being about the eighties being spiritual death. You know, <laughs> and we mentioned Manhunter. That's a movie set in the eighties about the eighties being spiritual death. It's all. Why are the movies where this is actually aspirational? I'm sure that must exist. I'm just not watching them. Like who who bought into this? Because I feel like at the time everyone. I mean, Poltergeist is kind of about people who have bought in and how like that's a like a, that can be dangerous. But mm -hmm. it, like that in itself is also its form of commentary, right? But I yeah. also assumed just like just from how culture's gone, like you know, the criticism of the eighties being vapid in the eighties was its own form of like ironic getting through. Like the, yeah, you know, it's like there's like a hedonism of like you know we've all made it, we're never rich now, so we're, it, yeah, it's empty, but like it's what we're living. Yeah, um, it's interesting because like this movie is like from the nineties, and the way it depicts the eighties is like really specific to a type of nostalgia, like the modern cultural machine of 80s nostalgia isn't about this sort of thing, which is like yuppie nihilism. Um, the only other movie that I feel like captures this in any like good way is like, uh, like Destiny Plans you're watching was um, uh, American, American Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. yeah. Which is all, like about like the masculine version of this in a lot of ways. Um, and um, how, it, how it just makes people want to murder <laughs> instead of just be like strung out and detached from everything. Um, and uh it's just interesting because it's like the, the, i remember like everyone doing like melon salads and aerobics like in my childhood like that would the fads would drift through and that's just not what like asian nostalgia is so much more like the stuff kids were into and not what the adults were experiencing um like there's no fucking deloreans and safe right <laughs> <laughs> it's about it's about like self-help books and going to the doctor but he's kind of weird and you don't really understand and everyone talks about psychotherapy but in like weird bad ways about how scary and like shameful it is um and everyone's wearing awful like spandex all the time and that's what the 80s are it really oh. got the color palette down i was yes. like impressed because the colors in this movie just evoke the 80s for me well there's there's this, this like birthday party for one of the kids and all the or like, and like you know it's a baby shower there's a birthday party too but like every everyone's wearing like the most hideous dress and they're just like so spot on yeah um, without being flashily like these are 80s dresses yeah um, it's the the one well, the thing for me the detail for me was the um the aerobics class is in this gym or building i don't know like you know community yeah. center uh but it has just this just faded enough tone of pink on the walls. I was mm. like, this is fucking perfect. Look at this depressing place. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's and so on the well corridors done. they walk out. Oh. Such good eye for detail, that Todd Haynes. Yeah, everything is such as awful, like medicinal green and pink everywhere. 
So you get to like the fucking compound. It's like, oh, green trees and normal dirt. And finally, something normal. And then you, you pull, immediately pull up. And it's like, this is not normal. This is a fucking cult. <laughs> it's the most cult-ass cult in the entire world. But the movie is so, like, distanced about it. Like, it doesn't want you to get too close. It doesn't want you to, like... You almost think, am I supposed to think this is a good thing that she's doing? Like, because the movie doesn't really show its cards up front. It's weird because, like, when her husband comes to visit, there's, like, a bit where she, like, uses his cologne as an excuse for him not to touch her or whatever. And he's like, I'm not wearing cologne. She's like, oh, it must be be soaked in your clothes. And, like, it, like, even though she recognizes this is a place that is still not suited for her, she also understands the way people utilize it to escape from their lives because she's also utilizing it to escape from her life. Um, like, she allows her to generate all sorts of excuses under the, the guise of, like, illness to jettison from being a housewife who's like just at the end of her rope yes, um, to being anything else. Even if that's just like a kind of scared lady who walks through the wilderness and lives in a little igloo. Um, it's better than the, going to fucking birthday parties and aerobics classes to her in this moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the way like, I really like the stuff with her husband, because her husband's like oh, shitty and awful. And there's like this one scene where he's like really shitty to her. Um, but he's not like actively, um, you know, necessarily abusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I, you can describe what happens in that one scene as fairly abusive. Like he's he's emotionally very shitty to her, like blaming her for being the problem, but in a way that feels very restrained because the, the rest of the movie is him like staying with her out of obligation. It's not a movie where he then actually runs away, right? It's where he, she just has to live in the far worse terror of being near this guy she doesn't have anything in common with, who's being polite yeah. to her. Um, the inertia of just like average American upper class married life, right? Yes, uh, and it captures that so fucking well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because you see so many different kinds of people end up going to this place, and like some of them, it seems like oh, this person's actually sick, uh, dying. No one like medicines failed them, and then there, you know, there's people like Carol where it, it's really unclear whether this is just like representation of her like psychology breaking down uh but then also she just literally manifests like sores and stuff um so maybe there is something who can know medicine has its limits right but the movie exists in a world where like the limits are things people want to deny because it's scary to think about like oh medicine doesn't have answers to some stuff right but also like the limits are intentional um yes i mean it's hard to to not watch this movie in um you know, now and not think about everything going on, uh, specifically like the long COVID stuff and the way that's like clearly the biggest deal and will be for literally generations after this thing passes uh, Mm. and no one fucking cares and is like, you know, you see people begging to get money to investigate this. Um, The world of like, you know, modern, uh, just, you you know, the imperialism of the ways in which uh, America and industrial countries turn the land against them does create illnesses in people, and we Mm. are living through those times. And to, uh, like, acknowledge that is, like, everyone's like, no, nah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But, like, you also get, like, you know, in this movie, it's, like, environmental illness or whatever. But you also get, like, you know, modern medicine has a lot of, like, uh, like, generalized pain uh, disorders that people get that's, like, you're just clearly not suited to living. We don't know what to do with you, but uh, that's your diagnosis. Good luck and kick them back out in the right. world. Right? Don't do anything yes. for them. Yeah. Um, the 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 ways in which this shows the inadequacy of like medicine, not medicine. I was like, um, 
not not medicine as like a substance right i mean the 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 industry of doctors and medicine and medication and everything uh as being just kind of inhuman is really good um mm. this really reminded me and it's a very different situation but like you know when i got my autism diagnosis i was also shuffled off to like support groups um and they were help they made me they the i did not go to that many of them um but the sense of like being in like a you know circle with a bunch of people that you don't know have nothing in common with and are everyone's kind of saying awful emotional platitudes at you is a thing i have felt profoundly in many situations uh not to the, the cult-like extent of this uh it was not being led by like an evil guy with a mansion um <laughs> but uh that's just like shuffling off people who need actual care into these like more vague support systems that are actually more about managing their emotions so they don't go insane and kill everyone about the fact that the world's abandoned them uh <laughs> is a, that's just true of so many things and i think this movie really captures that there's an incredible scene where like that one lady literally says like i wanted to kill everyone who did this to me and he's like this anger is what's making it to happen and it's a really good scene about like she is being like ridiculously angry <laughs> trying like with her murder spree fantasy but the uh, like the thing he's angry about is acknowledging that external factors exist that things happen for reasons mhm yeah uh like there's no there's no accommodation under medicalization right no medicalization's about no. treatment yeah. and returning to normalcy and some things are just must be accommodated right yeah um yeah it's good it's uh it was weird cuz like i feel it's like uh kind of unpleasant in a way where like i was not like having the best time watching i was like this is kind of like uncomfortable and also kind of boring but in a way that's good some of these movies are just hit like that not a problem yeah no i i loved it he's one of my favorite directors so I, the me liking it was built in but i i liked it probably more than poison which was the movie you made before this and it, it yeah and it's really good I've not seen any other Todd Haynes movies. I know. I remember when Carol blew up and everyone was posting about it, but I didn't actually get to it at the time. I've seen I've seen Velvet Goldmine, and I'm not there, but that's it. I've seen most of them. There's like a very small amount I haven't seen <laughs> at this point. But um, yeah, I'm glad everybody liked it. Yeah. Do we have anything else, or do we want to go to questions? Um, we can go to questions. All right. Uh, if you'd like to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. They can be about anything, not just what we're covering. I'm going to start. I sent them all to everyone, but I'm going to start from the bottom up. Um, Gary writes in, uh, someone recently put on Orlando for us to watch. I then proceeded to not properly watch it because uh, it was only in the final time skip to 1950 that I actually noticed the conceit of the movie. Until that point, I had not <laughs> copped a large number of years ago. <laughs> Have you ever missed a critical detail of a movie only to realize it much later than you should have? Uh, I know this has happened to me, but I can't think of a good example, but this is amazing. This is very incredible. I will say uh, that watching 2046, uh, even though they, they aren't, it's a very loose sequel to In the Mood for Love, but I saw it before In the Mood for Love. So oh God! Okay. there were entire sections of that movie that just made no sense to me. Uh, and That's in so the Moon for love made a lot more sense <laughs> once I watched it. Or excuse me, 2046 made a lot more sense once I finally got around to in the Moon for love. I watched them like years apart. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, I, I remembered one fun for me, which was that I uh, it's I watched uh, Kill List, the Ben Wheatley movie, 
being told it was a hitman buddy comedy um and only about 45 minutes in did i realize this was like a fucking real deal horror movie like real it's one of the most terrifying movies i've ever seen um you'll have to get back to me and tell me it was actually scary by you know horror movie standards i don't know but i was terrified out of my mind Um, (laughs) that's on my list yeah but the first i was like oh a bit bleak for a hitman comedy movie (laughs) (laughs) really funny i can't think of any on the these i like the thing i can think of i can't even think of like hungry examples but i watched so many movies like i catch the back half on tv as a kid and so i wouldn't see the opening like premise of a lot of stuff but that doesn't like actually help or anything um mm-hmm. like i'm pretty sure i'd seen die hard 3 about like 15 times before i saw the opening where they like have to rouse him drunk and get him going um at the beginning of that movie <laughs> that makes sense um stuff like that um let's see uh hilver writes in following the oscars in another year with a split between best picture and best director what is a film that you think has excellent direction but is ultimately not a great film like half of spielberg's filmography is this (laughs) yes no i mean hannibal (laughs) 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 um you know ridley scott is also one of these right oh Um, yeah for sure sometimes the movie is that good but sometimes it's it's hannibal (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, uh, I remember eight and a half being like this. I remember really liking how it looks, but uh, it's kind of boring. I can't finish it. That's a movie I've never finished. Hate admitting that, but we'll watch it someday. Okay. Because I would like to revisit. I haven't seen it since I was in my early twenties. I would like to revisit it. Uh, Joe writes in life has taken a weird turn and you now work as a dark souls lore guy ask YouTuber who makes daily videos about one movie and one movie only what movie is it every I day barely about under- a single movie I barely understand this question if you're just going to make if you have to make video essays about a single film as your like job online okay what is the movie? I was too stuck on the dark souls thing um one movie. I can't do this. There's not a single movie I'd want to do this for. I would hate it within a week. You gotta find the movie, though. I could... You know, I've watched Scott Pilgrim so many times. I could do it on Scott Pilgrim. Um, I'm gonna pick the Blues Brothers, just because if I have to watch Blues Brothers a thousand times, I think I'd be alright with that. <laughs> uh, can I pick, like, a... F- I mean, I guess, I guess if I have to... You can pick uh, whatever you want. You just have to say something. Um, hmm. Star Trek V. Also on my list. Five. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Pat Labor the movie. Damn, that's a good one. Um Neve writes in, what's the biggest and or funniest discrepancy you ever had between what you thought a movie was going to be going in versus what it ended up actually being? Um this is about blow up, which they watch for and eight starwells. Um that's let's let's go do these in order. This question first. Um Okay, so I don't know where I got this information, but I thought Parasite was a horror film. Oh, so, so, did <laughs> so, I, so did I for years. Not for yeah. years, for the months. Yeah, and months. I was like, oh, wait, I can, I can just watch that? Okay, sure. The whole time I was watching the movie, I was just waiting for a ghost or a, just something scary to happen. And then, you know, the gone home problem. Yeah, exactly. Like I was just like, hmm, where, when, is, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? It took me like, way late into the movie to realize nothing scary was going to happen but i I had a good time i like that movie but it was just it was just really funny 
Yeah, I had seen like a it was a tweet going around of a single like frame uh of that film that would always do the rounds of like the thing that happens next is so fucking crazy and fucked up. I think it's the bit where the guy falls over. Um but um <laughs> it was always like it was just a shot that I just assumed a monster or some serial killer was about to jump out and stab someone. Right. Um, um, as a kid, I remember uh, w- seeing commercials for the movie IQ and thinking I wanted to go see it because it was about Albert Einstein. Um, if you don't know, <laughs> IQ is a rom-com about like a student of Albert Einstein who uses his, like, I know Albert Einstein and his help to get a girlfriend. And you got owned. <laughs> I That's loved just my that default movie. Answer. <laughs> Growing up, I thought that movie was so good. I was like, I love <laughs> I'm Einstein. Sure, it's fucking terrible. I love it's Einstein's like, friends. It's like Tim Robbins, right? Yeah, and, it's Tim Robbins and, and, and Walter Matthau is uh, is Albert Einstein. Right? Meg Ryan is the woman in yes. that. Yeah, 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 that's right. Walter Matthau is Einstein, <laughs> and then he's got like these Einsteiny friends that he like hangs out with. What a dumb movie! Ridiculous. <laughs> you could make a movie about anything. Um, what's a movie that's considered a classic cinematic masterpiece, but you just don't understand why and assume that maybe you just had to be there at the time, um, to appreciate it. Uh, the default answer for everyone here is Chinatown. All the homies fucking hate Chinatown. Oh, Chinatown. Goddamn sucks. Damn it. You took mine. I was going to say Chinatown. It's so so universal that no one's allowed to say Chinatown. Uh, (laughs) The the other one that's default, I feel like for us to at least is Psycho. Um, oh yeah, a second just dead to culture. I just see, I was like, man, this first twenty minutes was sick, and then it was everything I'd seen and heard about. A <laughs> I love Psycho, so don't yeah, speak for can't. me. Um, and then another one that I, I, you know, is Aliens for me. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Aliens here also. I saw that. I was like, oh, this is where every video game I don't like comes from. Okay, I love sure. Aliens. I don't know, y'all are weird. <laughs> um. Yeah, those are those are some movies, I guess. I'm, I'm trying to think of any other ones. These are like... I mean, I, this wasn't at the time, but I remember walking out of Inception going, man, this is the most disappointing thing I've ever seen. I was so fucking excited for Inception, and it did absolutely nothing for me. I was oh. like a huge Nolan fan. Right, because you like love Memento, and he's finally quitting Batman to do something real. Yes. Oh, yes. no. Oh, no. <laughs> that is sad. Yeah, I was so disappointed in Inception. I like Inception, but I understand why it's bad. Like... <laughs> it's one of those movies that I can enjoy, but I can still be like, this is a bad movie. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a classic movie that isn't those that I, I just inexplicably am like, yeah, insist upon itself. That isn't just The Godfather, which does insist upon itself. <laughs> uh, if I may talk about Woody Allen. You can, sure. Interiors is not that good. It's just kind of stealing from Bergman. And everybody loved it. But, like, just watch a Bergman movie. Finally, people coming for the real shit about Woody Allen. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, fair enough. I, I'm trying I mean, to think. Here's the th- I, I feel like it's a good movie, but the way people talk about Seven Samurai, I'm like, what? No, no, Have you're you out of your fucking anything? mind. No, you're out of your goddamn mind. Because It's I was... great. It's fine, but it's like, it's fine. It's just fine. It's like a crowd pleaser hits all the beats you want. It's like plotted out. Exa- it's, it is It is the It is the back to the future of Japanese cinema. <laughs> that, like, huh. It hurt in my heart. Because Back to the Future is a movie I despise. That's an awful movie. Um, that's terrible uh but you did that on purpose uh i, I did I was, do that on purpose <laughs> <laughs> absolutely because i was gonna say um 
Rashomon, which is a movie, and you know, another Kurosawa movie, and I, I much like prefer Rashomon to Seven Samurai. I don't dislike Rashomon; I think it's totally fine. But I'm like, there's no Seven Samurai. <laughs> Let's be real now. Um, I don't know. I saw I saw maybe eight Samurai in Rashomon. <sighs> uh, Breathless sucks. <laughs> I like because most everyone dislikes uh, Godard. I think Breathless is fine. Um, I don't dislike Godard the way y'all do. I, I think there's, you know. I, I would not describe myself as a disliker of Godard. Uh, oh. I just get why people do. Okay. I have only, I only, I've only seen two Godard movies. And I didn't go exploring more after Breathless. But I'm sure I'll be able to find one that I do like because he's made a million movies. Yeah. Um, the, the, the actual problem with this dance is there are some like Breathless I know that I feel this way about. But then there's others where like, I know because I watched them when I was 18 that I I can't trust my okay you will get mad at this but you have to understand I don't know if I still believe this because this is just an opinion I had when I was there's, uh, a, lot, there's a lot of opinions you had when you were young that I feel this way about so but I, I watched seeing in the rain and was like that was boring yeah you're so fucking wrong and thing about a thing I have no idea if that would be true now I mean like I did I used to think that about Jurassic Park when we watched it. I was like this is one of the greatest movies ever made it's fucking classic Jurassic Park some shit so. you just gotta revisit. When you're not a fucking film school idiot. <laughs> yeah, like... I, I remember feeling this way about bringing a baby. I was like, this is fine, but I, I've seen funnier comedies in this era. I don't know why this is the one everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. Goldfinger. A Goldfinger fucking sucks is the thing. <laughs> I've seen that enough times that I know Goldfinger is just a bad fucking movie. That's not a movie that I need to revisit. I've seen it enough times. It's just, it's just bad. It's just a bad yeah. goddamn movie. It's surrounded by much better movies you could just watch instead. That's the other thing. It is not just like um, from Much with Love with the better movie, which obviously it is. It's a the much better movie. But also the like post Goldfinger movies in that style are still better. <laughs> not Thunderball, but yes. Not Thunderball. Thunderball is boring for a whole bunch of other reasons. <laughs> never shoot your movie underwater. It just is a terrible idea. It's never made a single good movie about being shot underwater. <laughs> but I'll get cancelled right now for uh, defending You Only Live Twice. <laughs> you Only Live Twice is a riot. What a weird fucking movie. <laughs> yep. Um, remember when we did Life of Brian? There's another one. Uh, oh, Life of Brian! Yeah, this is this is for this is for um this is for blockbusters talk. But we're halfway into watching Ten Commandments for that. I uh, check that out. patreoncom mapping for five dollars. You get our episodes once a month. We're watching Ten Commandments for Easter. But watching Ten Commandments, I was so furious. Life of Brian is so boring because like the Ten Commandments has a great comedy within it, and Life of Brian is just not funny. <laughs> Ten Commandments is funnier than Life of Brian. Yes. <laughs> um neve's final question what's the least safe movie you've ever seen feel free to interpret this however you choose please tell me how to interpret questions i can't think for myself <laughs> yeah, i gave you this tapes. days ago so. i know but i can't think for myself least safe movie i've ever seen least safe movie yeah i don't know what that means tapes. however you want to interpret it i understand it was be- being given that open but it doesn't help me Movies that made you feel unsafe. I don't know. Someone or else. Movies that felt unsafe. No. Um, like I feel like there's some movies I never want to watch again. I have a lot of those. That's not the same. I think my answer for this is, and uh, Neve will be happy about this, is uh, is uh, Suicide Circle, which I watched it like 18. And fucking blew my mind because it was I'd never seen a movie that was like weird in these ways, um, which are not like that weird in retrospect. But um, that's like a classic, like weirdo Japanese murder investigation. Extreme. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, that movie, I was like, this is wild. I felt the way about like, it, like I saw a bunch of Takashi Miki around the same time. And it's not actually audition that I feel is unsafe. I feel like Happiness of the Curry is a very unsafe movie, but that's like a family comedy. It's very warm hearted. It just is wild about the stuff it's about. And I was like, man, movies could be anything. Um, mostly they aren't, but sometimes it can be about anything. <laughs> I had to look up Suicide Club and uh, I can't watch that now, I guess. Uh, why? It's from the Sion Sono. The guy who's oh, yes. currently being yes. extremely cancelled for being evil. Uh, yes. Because cinema, it's just directors. Though. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, I guess an equivalent, I assume it's nowhere near as um, weird as, as that movie. But uh, as a similar, like watching uh, Japanese cinema when I was a teenager, uh, watching, and it was specifically the first half of Battle Royale on a laptop at my then girlfriend's birthday party where we'd all had to go up into her room because her like stepdad was just playing music really loud and being an asshole um and we just put on battle royale all six of us watching it on this laptop uh and it felt like i had fucking stolen something just wrong <laughs> uh it was great <laughs> that was so good i finished it you know went home and finished it and then all the normal stuff at the end happened where it all kind of wraps up neatly uh um a, a funny reality of me being the person i am is i read battle royale before i saw it <laughs> So you're like, oh, what is this weak shit? <laughs> no, it was like, it was like, why is this like so like weird and like abstract and introspective about like the book is just very much is is like these kids fucking love American rock music and they're not going to let the man keep them down as they fight this death game. It's like very stupid and pulpy. <laughs> the movie does not have the same like the old Japan is repressing the Western youth yes. of, the, of the the new generation. No, you need you need to get to Battle Royale 2 before you get to that stuff. <laughs> well, that goes in a whole other direction. There's a fucking yes. movie. <laughs> yeah, that's an unsafe movie. In that's an unsafe ways. movie! <laughs> Battle Royale 2 is an unsafe movie. Um, oh, if we answer that, can I move on? I just said the Poughkeepsie tapes a couple of times. I don't know if people, okay. yeah. No, I did, I don't think I came over. That's um, okay. That that's uh, that's fair. I feel this way whenever I watch like a seventies movie with too many car stunts. I'm like, someone almost died doing this. There's no way to fucking melt it. Oh, that movie yeah. we watched. That movie we watched with the bikers. Uh, oh, that, uh, that Psychomania. Movie. Psychomania feels like an unsafe movie in the way where like people fucking almost died doing this movie. There's no way they didn't. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could just say the Twilight Zone in the movie if we wanted to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely unsafe movie. Damn. Um, anyway, uh, Tron writes in uh, a couple questions. Uh, let's see. Um, um, have any of you ever experienced or noticed health issues you think are caused by the environment you were living in? I have an answer. So five, six years ago, I had briefly just had like an allergic reaction or something where like, I broke out in hives um, and like, like my throat was swollen or whatever. I went to the doctor and she's like, I, I don't know what could be possibly causing this. Gave me like a shot, like a, to handle it. And it went away and it never came back. Never figured out what the fuck it was. It was just like one day I was like allergic to something in my life. Uh, and it was really weird and scary. That was it. That's all I got. Uh, um, I had a job that gave me stomach issues for three years. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> No fun. Um, I've had many bad. I, I think I've had like necessarily like allergic reactions, but I have had awful doc's experience being like, "Here's the thing I'm having," and they've just gone, 
get better sleep and send me away right like yes uh, it's a little but i think because it's um i'm in the uk it's a little different where like i have more ready access to doctors for for like for free but because they're, they're public worse. doctors they're worse um or worse is the wrong one. they are overworked so they have even let they, they want to get rid of you even more than american doctors which are making money off you uh, yeah so the like dynamic of exploitation is a little different it's better here at least for now they're really trying to get to a speed run going to an american healthcare system uh as quickly as possible uh but it does mean like the kind of negative doctor's experience have a different character than they do in america yeah um did joe get really creeped out by peter dunning uh yeah yeah a flashback to 25 minutes ago when i said he needed to get lady vengeance <laughs> <laughs> do y'all think this film is critical individualism yes um, <laughs> it's weird because like i think that like i think it often presents it, it's like this is like extremely an american position to me but like the way in which like she goes from like this like sorority of like stay-at-home moms with their kids as their husbands do real jobs versus like going into this new like cult area is in itself like these these are the collectives left to people because of alienation um where you only have like one defining feature in common usually your life circumstance and other than that there's like nothing to actually bind people together yes um like there's the joke there's like the fucking old like you know joke of like the husbands of like women who are friends have to stand around and try to talk about the sports they like um because they don't have friends or a collective that of shared interests or anything um you just have to find the one thing that everyone's kind of like united by and that's just what collectivism is in america (laughs) yeah i mean i would say it's probably it's more critical of like 80s america which is obviously representative of individualism it's a very specific individualism yeah but you think of like like there's so much in this movie about like diet culture or like different like like alternative belief systems like you're like a crystal person mm-hmm. or like if you're really into like cleanse diets like you're united by other people who your only point of interfacing with those people is you and th- like this is even true of like marvel people it's just there's so many of them it's hard to like fandoms are drive driven by this exact thing where like the collective is formed only by the one shared facet of identity you have with other people um that is in itself tenuous and dangerous uh yes uh absolutely but i think that like this movie is really like precise about how this happens because of because of the like in, yeah the, the alienation, alienation of the structure of society yes like no no one has no one has any friends it's like it's like red desert right like red, no one yeah. has any friends but only she realizes how wrong that is and, you know, yeah not realize it the, the woman in red desert realizes it more uh she is being yes. afflicted by it but i guess does not quite realize it in the same way yeah um but there's no actual connection between anyone. They're just kind of around each other. Um, final question, obliterating all three of us. How aware do you think this film is about race? I can't help but think of how many films I've seen for this podcast that deal with rich white women's mental health. <laughs> um, I don't think it's un- I don't think it's unaware about race. I think it knows it is a movie about rich white people. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, I think it's really telling this movie is about the 80s when it's made in 95 and there's nothing really that necessitates it being set in the 80s. Exactly. Other than like the framework of what's happening makes more sense in 87 than it does in 95. I mean, she she, she doesn't, you can't have her getting going on the internet and finding the site for this yes. thing. Like that break, <laughs> they, breaks is different, but that completely changes the dynamic in these kind of like yeah. situations. Yeah. yeah. But also means like, 
you know, her housekeeper who is living her own life is like in the kitchen with six people as she wanders through the hallway going, I'm so alone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like there's people in her house. They just don't count because they're, you know, uh, they're brown people who work for her. Right. Or she has this child she can't relate to because it's not really her child. And also he's like a gun nut. <laughs> That essay about gangs was hilarious. Oh, I loved it. That essay about gangs is so funny. Yeah, this movie's hyper aware of race for a movie all about white people. Um, Um, Yeah. All right. Again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Before we finish, there's one thing I've... I've, I've, Did you click on this interview uh, that was, like, on the Wikipedia page? No. Um... There's a ridiculous bit where it says that, like, they had to insert the bit where they show Peter's ridiculous mansion because audiences didn't realize he was meant to be bad. <laughs> really? <laughs> God. Um, yes, because <laughs> he says, he talks about how, like, the, the tensions of re- the movie being a critique of leftism, which all he means is, like, the, you know... The, this gay character who has AIDS is introduced and is very obviously evil and not... I mean, this, this is clearly a in the 90s interview but a discussion about how, like, identity politics can shield, like, actual material evil. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what the movie's about. Uh, and it's funny how much, like, I'm reading this and like, people wouldn't be able to see through this where it's so blindingly obvious now. I guess I don't know how that would, like, play to, like, a regular liberal audience. But at least to me, it seems very, very clear as day. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I would not describe this movie as like critiquing leftism in the way that I'm. I understand how you could like make that argument, uh, but in, I just wouldn't use those terms in that way. But uh, it's the nineties. Yeah. All right. Uh, next time, um, it's been uh, floated that David Cronenberg has got a new movie that's upsetting people. I would like to finally watch Crash. Never seen it. Yeah, one of my favorites. Cool. Uh, James Spader classic. No, I'm going to come in. I'm going to have watched Crash 2004 just to fuck with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe I saw that I've in the theater. I've seen Crash 2004 and it's fucking terrible. I saw it like kind of at the time and I remember being like, I don't know about this one. I saw with it. With my like dumb 19 year old brain. <laughs> I saw it in the theater. I thought it was cheesy and horrible. And my mom was like, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we saw how far that got her. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Plugs, Destiny. At Fridge Buzz now on the Twitter. And my other podcast, Badland Girls, can be found at abnormalmapping.com slash Badland Girls. Jackson. You can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that I do at abnormalmapping.com. With M, usually, uh, they're pretty good podcasts. Go listen to them. You can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. You can support all of our work at patreon.com slash normal mapping. For $1, you get the Great Gundam Project. Every Wednesday, we're watching Gundam Seed. We're about to finish that up and go on to SD Gundam Force, which is a kid, CG kids show from the aughts. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, we're watching Digimon with that. So if you love Digimon Tamers, we're going to watch Digimon Tamers. Yeah, we, for $5, we you get a, Blockbusters. Yeah, we picked a crowd-pleasing backup show for that one. Yeah. Uh, for $5, you get Blockbusters every month where we... Uh, we are going to watch. We're watching Ten Commandments. We're finishing that up today. Uh, next one's going to be I Robot, which is um, the the movie Jackson is most like I'm about Jurassic Park about. But I'm like that's in, that's like ridiculous because 
uh, it's iRobot and it sucks. And I, I, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> now, I'm not like, Jurassic Park is like an incredible film directed by Spielberg. This is a movie from my childhood that I have a lot of fondness for. It's yeah, kind of stupid. I can't, I've never, I've never said it's on the level that people no, no, talk no. about you, like you, Jurassic this is, Park. This, the way, but the way you like it is the way that I like Jurassic Park. It's just Jurassic Park is seen as like a classic and iRobot's not. I believe um, I said that like, uh, it is a little under, but, um, in the vein that people talk about the Star Wars prequels with the stupid quotes in that movie. Oh, you know, if that's fair. She should hot. She should um, hot, exactly. Anyway, uh, for $10, you get VoIP Life for every two weeks. Me and Jackson goof off and talk about some bullshit. Uh, people like that one. I think it's a good show. Um, you know, there's movie talk. Usually it's about video games. Sometimes we do movie stuff. Uh, yeah, it's good. VoIP Life's good. It's hard to pitch, but um, if you just sub at one or five, you'll get out. You'll get some VoIP Lives to test out. They're in the feed. I listened to the um, last VoIP Life and I was... Real, I was like, damn, we're good at podcasting, <laughs> which I don't yeah, think very no, often. It was, it was the most bomb cast we've maybe ever been. It it never starts. We don't like go into a segment. Everything flows naturally. We just have an hour long conversation. We never do. You, we never manage to do this. Usually, we're like, oh, forty five minutes in. What do you have? But no, just, yeah. just natural good podcasting. We did it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Never do it again. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, Until next time, movies. Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them.